gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, to another edition of the my two cents podcast hosted by g2 i am g2 and i would like to ask every single one of you how are you doing today this is episode 166 and i'm doing fine um this week wasn't bad for me i was able to chill uh get some stuff done podcasting stuff done and by the way if you have not listened to my previous uh podcast episodes they are available to you now if you listen to professional wrestling or watch it i talk about that on my saturday episode if you missed that, it's available to you. And also, I talk about random little things on Wednesday for the midweek breakdown, so that's available to you there. And also, wherever you do listen to this podcast, whether it's on Apple, Google, Spotify, you know the podcast uh, sites, uh, wherever you listen to it, if you don't mind, pressing the follow button, subscribe button, whatever that button is, and just clicking on it, because when you do that, it allows... Uh, the new episodes of the pod to download to your phone or download to whatever device you have, and then you can just easily just listen to this podcast at any time, hassle-free. Um, with that out of the way, I do want to start off with the National Food Days of the Week. Today being March the 3rd, it is National Cold Cuts Day. March 4th will be National Pound Cake Day. March 5th will be National Cheese Doodle Day. March 6th, it'll be National Frozen Food Day, as well as Oreo Cookie Day, and White Chocolate Cheesecake Day. March 7th will be Cereal Day. March 8th will be Peanut Cluster Day. And to round us out, for March the 9th, it'll be Crab Meat Day and Meatball Day. So those are your National Food Days of the Week. March 10th, I'll be back on next Sunday, and that will restart a whole nother week for me to talk about the National Food Days. Um, staying in the food category here, I do want to talk about something here. It comes from the Associated Press. It will talk about how the United States has uh, blocked the merger of Kroger and Albertson because they're saying that it could push prices even higher in the grocery market. In the article, it will say that the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, sued to block a proposed merger between the grocery giants, Kroger and Albertson, saying that the $24.6 billion deal would eliminate competition and could lead to higher prices for millions of Americans. The FTC filed an administrative complaint against the companies Monday, which will be considered by an administrative law judge at the agency. It also fulfilled a lawsuit with the U.S. District Court in Oregon requesting a temporary injunction blocking the merger. Uh, They're saying that Kroger and Albertson, two of the nation's largest uh, groceries, agreed to merge in October 2022. The company said a merger would help them better compete with Walmart, Amazon, Costco, and other big rivals. Uh, they say today uh, Kroger and Albertson will control around 13% of the U.S. grocery market. Walmart controls 22%. That's according to J.P. Morgan analysts. Uh, both companies immediately after the FTC announcement said that they will challenge the agency in court, which you think they will because they're trying to block a 246 billion dollar deal you got no other choice but to try to uh challenge that uh as i said everybody knows what's going down right now people are making tiktoks of it people have been talking about this we've seen it on news so much how prices of food has constantly been rising up um they would say that in 2022 they rose 11.4 percent and 2023, they rose another 5%, and this year alone, right now, they're planning on rising 2.5% as they've been typically been doing year by year, according to government data. Um, I'm not so sure how this thing should happen. I mean, if a business happens to do what it does and they make a deal with one another, it's going to happen. I mean, we just saw Walmart, what, going into the TV business, I want to say, if not a week ago, two weeks ago, whenever they bought out uh, Vizio, so now they're in the TV business, so I can see uh, Kroger and Albertson clicking together, coming one, umbrella, merging, just to combat against Walmart and Amazon, because they are true, because Amazon and Walmart, you can buy food and corner food off the market there, Costco the same way, um, but I think the big 
thing that needs to be talked about how is how inflation has constantly been rising up the food uh, prices, the chips and drinks and all these other things kind of remain the same, or if not, they kind of uh, the price, not the price, but the bag itself, the quality is starting to decrease while the prices increase and it doesn't make sense. I think that needs to be talked about more than just two companies clicking together. Even though people might say, Gerald, two companies clicking together, they can control things, they can price things up the way they want to. I think that's when the government should step in and say, nope, you got to keep the price at a certain amount. That's the way it should go. It's kind of the same way whenever uh, there was a hurricane that happened a couple years ago and it like kind of wiped out a city some way and they went away to another city and it was on the news and it was talked about how uh, hotels and gas stations were trying to eye gouge the people trying to seek refuge and the government had to step in to make sure that didn't happen because they would call that illegal. That's what needs to happen here in the grocery uh, department in the grocery economy. That needs to happen. The government needs to set a standard for where uh, chips need to be priced at, milk need to be priced at, fruit, eggs, like all that type of products need to be priced at instead of it constantly keep on going up or being eye gouged at the people buying it. But until that happens, we're going to constantly see the prices keep going up, and uh, that's just where we're at with this. But Kroger and Albertson, they might come together. U.S. is trying to block it, but we will see what will happen in the end. Now, moving off of inflation, I do want to talk about Oprah Winfrey because Oprah Winfrey, she's always been the spokesperson and like the figurehead for Weight Watchers. She's stepping down from the board of directors of Weight Watchers in May, the CBS News would report, according to a statement released on Wednesday, Winfrey, who has been an executive position with Weight Watchers since 2015, will now donate her stock in the company to the National Museum of African American History and Culture to support the institution's goal to promote and highlight the contributions of African Americans and to eliminate any perceived conflict of interest around her taking weight loss medications. Uh, they would say in the announcement, the talk show host said that they will continue to advise and collaborate with Weight Watchers CEO in elevating the conversation around recognizing obesity as a chronic condition, working to reduce stigma, and advocating for health equity. People are trying to say that Oprah Winfrey has been taking like uh, Ozempics or any type of like different weight loss medications because. Throughout Oprah's whole career, you've constantly seen her fluctuate her weight. She was big, and then she got slim a little bit, and she was back to being big, and then she got slim yet again, and now she's kind of being in this slim uh, model that she's in right now, the slim figure that she's in. I don't think she's trying to get back to being big, but it is what it is. Again, weight and a person fluctuate. It all depends on who you are and how you are uh, disciplined in what you want to eat and all that good stuff. And also your body condition, because sometimes your body is just your body and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, I'm not so sure how the market will technically care about this. I mean, Weight Watchers is still going to be there. They're still going to run their ads, still going to run their commercials every, what, beginning of the year, every time, whenever we get a new year. Since we're going into March, everybody's kind of getting off their whole uh, weight loss journey. You don't hear too many people... um, on the news talking about weight loss this, weight loss that, getting on this program, getting on that program, uh, dieting. You don't hear that much as you usually do whenever January and February hits. So with Oprah stepping down off the Weight Watchers uh, board of directors this May, again, I don't know how that's going to affect Weight Watchers. I mean, they're always going to have their commercials, but I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. Oprah Winfrey, again, she's still going to be working with Weight Watchers, as some type of like, I would like to say like a hidden hand, but again, in the big scheme of things, I don't think that's really going to affect Weight Watchers as much. I think there's just going to have just like, okay, Oprah's off the board, but she's still going to be there as a shadow. So again, I think this is just more smoke and mirrors for the people more than less, but uh, Weight Watchers or somebody in Weight Watchers will let everybody know about this situation more going on into the future whenever anything bad happens, because I do want to know, what did Oprah Winfrey kind of, like, contribute to Weight Watchers? Did she bring in uh, more people to Weight Watchers to try to program? Did she kind of, uh, with her added inclusion into the board years ago, has the stock been going up or down 
since she's been on it compared to her being not on it years ago. Again, those are the type of things I'm kind of like questioning. But now since she's off the board, uh, if something goes wrong, I'm pretty sure we'll figure out what the case might be. But if something goes right, again, they can contribute that to Oprah off the board. Same thing if something goes wrong. But again, we'll wait and see what happens uh, down the line. And still sticking in the food department here, 41 locations of Outback Steakhouse, Cabarra's Italian Grill, and Bonefish Grill to close. In the article, it would state that Blooming Brands revealed in an earnings call Friday that it closed 41 underperforming locations across the brands it's owned, including Cabarra's Italian Grill, Bonefish Grill in Fleming's. Uh, the closure hit Outback Steakhouse the hardest, the company said in the call. Blooming said it closed the locations because of a variety of factors, including sales, shrinking customer traffic, and financial investment that were too costly to improve the locations. Plus, a majority of these restaurants were older assets with leases from the 90s and early 2000s. So there you have it here. They said the company didn't release a list of closed restaurants. Location reports show that Outback locations in Pennsylvania Iowa and every Outback restaurant in Hawaii recently shuttered. Uh, Bonefish Grill's locations in New Jersey and Virginia also closed, plus at least three Carabas locations in New York closed. Of the 41 closures across the brands, 33 restaurants were closed Friday, a blooming spokesperson told Nation's Restaurants News. So there you have it there. Uh, Outback Steakhouse, some of their locations are closing. So are Carabas and Bonefish. So if you did like those places, sorry that your restaurant of choice is closing down. But that's not the only thing closing down. Moving off of food, I do have to talk about Macy's. Uh, Macy's, the department store chain, has announced that plans to close approximately 150 stores across the country through 2026, including 50 locations this year alone. So there you go, Macy's, they're closing down 50 locations uh, this year. I don't know what's going down so far. I think a lot of stores are just moving off of the whole uh, big building type of business. They're going to have a factory where they're going to be housing all their merchandise and you're going to be uh, ordering it off of their websites. I don't think Macy as a whole is closing down. I just think that they're going to just stop uh doing buildings. I think that's just where a lot of things are moving now. I think that's where a lot of things are going to be moving probably in 2030. By 2030, you're only going to have a little bit of stores here and there, but like all the other stores are going to just be working off of online, have buildings that are warehouses with products, and then it gets shipped out to you Amazon style, uh, UPS, all that type of jazz metastasis so you can get your products there. But um, the days of you going into stores, trying on your clothes and all that type of stuff, those are like quickly um, dying and it's dying right in front of your faces. So if you're not uh, aware of that, I'm just here to let you guys know that that's what's going down because if they're taking down a woman's uh, type of store and women, they like they buy more than dudes to be honest with you, and if they're closing down a woman's store like Macy's, and I know they probably say, well, they got dudes closing there too, but like, come on now, let's keep it a buck. That's more for women than it is for dudes. If they're closing down a woman's store like this, best believe you know it's going to affect more and more stores throughout the years. So again, by 2030, and that's only another six years, I'm giving it, they probably might do it longer, but I'm just saying short while, short uh, term wise, Expect a lot of other stores to close down and just get turned right into uh, internet stores where you just got to buy it off the internet and hope to God that they send you your right uh, size or send you the right product. Because if they don't, only way, only thing you can technically do is like just go online and just fill out this type of thing saying, hey, you sent me the wrong thing, this and that, and then go to your local uh, USPS or UPS or FedEx and send it back and then pray to God. Hopefully they'll give you a refund or they'll give you back your, uh, right product. So again, the days of trying things on inside the stores, there are quickly, uh, evaporating right in front of our faces. Just want to let you guys know that now moving off of all of that, I do have to touch on a little bit of something that's going down, uh, with the Ukraine and Russia war. It's been a minute since I touched on that. Um, it seems that Putin is kind of putting America on notice, saying that he is ready to uh, kind of go to war with us if we constantly help out the Ukraine over there with their uh, supplies. 
I'm not so certain how to feel about that because Russia, they're still battling Ukraine after there's been what? Almost, or it's been two years now since Russia attacked Ukraine. And they've been doing this. And I'm not going to lie to you. At first, I thought Russia was going to easily handle Ukraine because if you look at Russia compared to Ukraine, Russia is, God, way bigger than Ukraine. But Ukraine, they've been um, handling themselves. They've been able to fight back. And again, I just want all this crap to end with Russia and the Ukraine war, it's real easy to spot what's going on here. Russia, they wanted Ukraine. Ukraine say, nah. Again, that's how all this crap uh, happened. And then that's when Russia just came in and just started doing what it wanted to do. And for Putin to let everyone know that, hey, yo, you guys need to quit sending supplies over there because we're not afraid to attack you guys. I'm not certain how America's going to deal with that. I know we're dealing with an election, like right now, we still got to deal with the whole uh, Trump-Biden business, everybody with their infighting here over in America, and I think people are really missing AO. We have a guy over there, Putin, who's telling y'all, yo, quit helping out, or they're going to start bombing over here and attacking over here because they got locations where they know they can attack. I think that's being kind of swept underneath the rug until we get to a so close point that is already going to be too late and people are going to be uh, running around like chickens with their head cut off. That's the way I feel about it. So again, I just want to let you guys know what's happening right now. Putin, he's kind of told, told us over here in the West, stop helping out Ukraine. Will our government listen to that? I don't know. I don't think they will, but... We'll have to uh, wait and find out. Now, moving on to the next topic here. As this comes from the Huff Post, as the article would read, seven charged with murder and the death of Alabama woman held hostage. As it was stated in the article, authorities arrested four men and three women in connection to the murder of Mahogany Jackson, Birmingham police announced on Wednesday. According to a local Alabama outlet, Jackson was reported missing on Sunday after her mother and sister received a message from her on Facebook Messenger. She sent me a text message that said she was being held hostage and sent her location, Gail Maddox, Jackson's mother, would say to the outlet. The location Jackson sent was at Serenity Apartments in Birmingham's Powderly community, but she was nowhere to be found when police arrived, according to the outlet. Speaking at a press conference on Wednesday, Birmingham Police Chief Scott Thurman said investigators were able to locate Jackson's body on the side of the road with help from the public. They located her body at around 2.19 a.m. Monday and determined she had been shot. And the police believed that the suspects and Jackson knew each other. So the suspects that were arrested, you have three females. Their names are Giovanni Clapp, Blair Green, and Sonia McCall. They were charged with felony murder, kidnapping in the first degree, and sodomy in the first degree. While the four guys that were arrested, you have Jeremiah McDowell, Brandon Pope, Francis Harris, and T.J. Lewis. Now, Jeremiah, Brandon, and Francis, they were charged with capital murder and sodomy in the first degree and capital murder and kidnapping in the first degree. While T.J., he was being charged with felony murder and assault in the second degree with injury with a weapon. So that's um, what's going down with this right now. I don't know what's going on with the youth movement at the moment. And I don't mean to like sound so like distant from what's going on with the quote unquote youth. Cause I'm only like what 27 going into 28. And these are all like young uh, individuals that did this uh, atrocious act, or at least the people that got arrested for it. Um, only one of them was like 18 and that's Jeremiah McDowell, but all the other ones, they're all like young 20 something year old, uh, kids in my personal opinion because if you commit a murder like this and do things like this i'm gonna call you a kid because there is no way an adult a right-minded adult would do all that you have seven people doing this to this one girl and that's pretty nasty the thing that i forgot to mention to you guys by the way was that apparently um the attack that happened on jackson was being recorded um, they would say that Thurman declined to release specific details about Jackson's kidnapping, but mentioned she was taken to several different locations and the suspects recorded the sexual assault. Um, he would say that it was absolutely disgusting. So they recorded sexually assaulting 
this woman and I don't get it. I don't know what's going on in the minds of um, some of these kids, some of these young adults. I really don't get it. I really don't. Um, hopefully more information will come out. I feel that someone had to, someone's going to snitch on this because there's seven people here. Uh, whoever snitch is going to get the better uh, plea deal or whatever out of the seven. So I think the seven need to uh, look at one another. And if you got information about this, please say something. Because it took seven people to take out one person. That's nasty. I don't care who you are. That is nasty. That's nasty work. This should not have happened. I uh, give my love and thoughts to Mahogany Jackson's parents, her loved ones, anyone that was affected by this. I really do. And also to the suspect's uh, parents and their loved ones, because by God, I'm pretty sure they don't want to see their loved ones being arrested for something as heinous as this. And if they did it, that's nasty work. Again, it's all nasty business. Seven people to take out one person is nasty. And then to have sodomy into that, into those charges, that's completely nasty altogether. So again, my heart goes out to everyone that was affected by this. And again, I hope that more information comes out about this because when it does, I'll be back here uh, to talk about this on this podcast. But as of right now, that's the first thing that we have about this uh, tragic event. Now, sticking on to crime, I do have to talk about this. Uh, NBC News would state that a New York man who fatally shot a woman after her friends pulled into Raw driveway is sentenced to 25 years to life. Kevin Monahan was convicted in January of second-degree murder, reckless endangerment, and tampering in the April 15th death of Kaylin Gillis, whom he fatally shot after the car she was traveling in, as well as other vehicle and a motorcycle pulled into his driveway. As they were looking for a party, the group was lost in an area in New York they did not have cell uh, service for, so Kevin Monahan. He testified at his trial that he felt threatened by the appearance of the vehicles and motorcycle pulling into his driveway and thought he was being blocked in. So he grabbed his 20-gauge shotgun, fired a warning shot, and the second shot that he fired, he killed Gillis. And he said that he did it by accident after he tripped over nails uh, on his deck. But it doesn't matter. He got found guilty. He's being sentenced. Well, he was sentenced to 25 to life. And I just want this to be a thing for anybody out here if you feel threatened anytime you see vehicles come into your driveway only thing you got to do is do not answer the door stay inside your house lock everything up and just wait have your phone in your hands have 911 ready to dial up and just wait there if people happen to come to your door and bang aggressively and you know what banging aggressively at a door is then you can feel threatened then you can say hey yo back away from my whatever but if nobody comes to your door, uh, if someone bangs on your door lightly or something like that, you could just shout distantly from the door. You don't have to go and grab a gun or do something and just fire off warning shots. Because I guarantee you, you have no idea what they have in their vehicle. And they could just say they feel threatened by you as well. That's the reason why you, uh, they might shoot you in the process as well. I just want people in general to... Recognize that we are in a scary, scary time now. A lot of things have been shown, whether on television or on social media, that's been floating from video to video or wherever we have you. Uh, news stories, all these things that we are, that we have been cultivated and curated in a state of fear constantly. If someone happens to drive into your parkway that you don't know, you might start getting fearful right there and you think, oh my God, they're going to do something to me or this and that. That's not always the case. Certain people are just literally lost. They really just uh, just knock on someone's door and ask questions. A, just know not everybody's trying to hurt you or harm you. That's what I want people to understand because we have this unfortunate situation that happened last year, I believe it was uh, the Black kid who was going to try to pick up his uh, sibling, who he went to the wrong house. He ends up getting shot in the head. That old man ends up getting sent to prison. I believe there's one more, and I can't really remember it is because I remember talking about it, but I believe there's one more that I'm forgetting, but you guys get my drift. If you don't know the vehicle that's pulling into your driveway, don't feel like you have to have a weapon like on you. Just stand away from the door. 
Don't answer the door. If someone knocks on it, don't do nothing. Just act like you are not home. That's all you got to do. And I guarantee you, someone will get tired of knocking on the door and they'll just get back in their car and then drive away. That's about it. But if you feel a certain way, just have your phone in your hands and just be ready to call 911. If someone constantly bangs aggressively, then call 911. And then hopefully the 911 will get there uh, quickly. That's all I got for you. Instead of just grabbing your gun and shooting off because you get things like this happening. So now uh, Kevin, he has to go to jail for 25 to life while Kaylin Gillis, she's dead. And it's a shad thing to happen, but this is real life that we're dealing with, folks. So please uh, make your choice real wisely. And continuing on with making your choice real wisely, we have another one that did not do that. Still sticking with NBC News as it would uh, write up. Mary St. Louis principal pleads guilty to hiring hitman to kill his pregnant teacher girlfriend and her unborn baby. Cornelius M. Green, who was a principal at Car Lane Visual and Performing Art Middle School in St. Louis, was accused of orchestrating the murder of 30-year-old Jocelyn Peters and her unborn baby on March 24, 2016. Green pleaded guilty to federal charges of murder for hire conspiracy and murder for hire on Wednesday. Under the plea agreement, if Green is sentenced to life in prison on federal charges, the St. Louis Circuit Attorney's Office will drop state charges connected with the killings, which prosecutors had said they'll seek the death penalty. So that's the reason why Cornelius Green decided to plead guilty. Now, they would give a timeline of what happened, what led up to uh, the murder. They would say that despite Green being married and involved in multiple romantic relationships with other women, he had an ongoing romantic relationship with Peters, according to his March 2022 indictment. Peters became pregnant with his child in 2015. Well, as you can tell, Green didn't like it, so Green devised a plan to murder Peters and her unborn baby by stealing money from the school he oversaw to pay his close friend in Oklahoma, Philip J. Cutler, to conduct the killings. The indictment would state Green texted Cutler on February 29, 2016, to come to St. Louis the week of March 20th, 2016, and Cutler responded, okay, that will work. You're going to be sending the, I believe, the package. Days later, Green sent Cutler a package with $2,500 and used the middle school's address when sending it. So Cutler, he traveled to Oklahoma, uh, to St. Louis. He got there the following day. They met with one another. They devised a plan. Uh, Green, he traveled to Chicago to establish an alibi while Cutler, he entered Peter's apartment, found her in bed, shot her with the firearm, but he used a potato as a silencer to muffle the sound. So that happened. Cutler then told Green what happened, how he conducted it. He did the job the same day. Green used his phone and Visa card to purchase an Amtrak ticket back to St. Louis from Chicago. And then when he got to St. Louis, he went to Peter's home, called 911, reported she was shot, falsely pretending that he had no idea of what happened, how she died. There you go. So that was the timeline that we have here. Cornelius Green, he's being sentenced on June 5th, while uh, Philip Cutler, he's been charged with murder for hire conspiracy and murder for hire. And his trial is slated to start March the 11th. Here's my deal for anyone that is married or anyone that is in a relationship and you happen to step out and get someone else pregnant for the love of God. Just tell your girl, tell your spouse, tell your mate, tell whoever you are dealing with what you did instead of cooking up some type of plan like this to kill someone. It never works. It truly never works. And if you think I'm lying, I have another court case that literally just wrapped up this past week. And is the court case of Michelle Traconis. She was the side piece for a married uh, Connecticut man who killed his wife, Jennifer Dulos, a couple years ago. Um, I'm just going to read you something from CNN because they covered it. They will say nearly five years after Connecticut mother Jennifer Dulos went missing, her husband's ex-girlfriend was found guilty Friday of conspiring to murder the mother of five. Michelle Traconis was also found murder of one count of hindering prosecution, two counts of conspiring to commit 
tampering with physical evidence and two counts of tampering with physical evidence. So continuing on in the article, it would state that Michelle dated Jennifer's husband who was charged with his wife's murder, but died by an apparent suicide in January 2020 before his uh, trial went on. And he was charged with conspiracy to commit murder and other charges, but pleaded not guilty. But that doesn't matter. He ended up committing suicide. Uh, they say that the last time they saw the wife, she dropped off her children at school. Friends reported her missing after she failed to show up for appointments and had no communications with them for 10 hours. Um, she was in the middle of the divorce and custody battle with the husband at the time of her disappearance. They never found her body. Uh, she was declared dead by the state or by the judge, if you will, in October 2023. So they will say that she suffered a combination of traumatic blunt force injuries, according to the state's chief medical examiner, which I don't understand how you can do that without a body, but they found like uh, bags that had her clothing, that had blood-like stains on it, uh, vehicles that had blood-like blood-like stains from the husband mixed in with the wife's DNA and even had some of the uh, mistress's DNA on it. So that's the reason why the D, uh, mistress got even slotted into this. But you get my point. The mistress was trying to say she had no idea where the wife was. She had no idea of this whole thing, but that didn't help out. So the mistress, she's now been found guilty of conspiring uh, to murder the woman, and that's what happened. Again, if you are a married person, do not uh, try to kill your loved one, do not try to kill your spouse, do not try to kill your partner, and do not try to kill the mistress either. And if you are the mistress, if you, this goes for your dude and or female, do not stand with your quote-unquote lover if they happen to do some idiotic as this. Walk away from them, turn them into the feds, do what you gotta do to preserve yourself, because sometimes you guys just do things just out of the whole idea that they are going to leave their partner. We've seen this multiple times in movies, multiple times in TV shows, multiple times in different Oxygen, uh, Lifetime, uh, Snapped episodes, documentary, all this type of things. It's been documented. Uh, how someone would always say, well, they said they're going to leave their spouse and blah, blah, blah. And then guess what? They end up leaving. But guess what? The spouse ends up dying one way or another. And now you might be uh, complicit in the murder. Do not be a part of that. If you know your person is kind of a little bit wonky, like homeboy was in this situation, and also the previous situation with him killing uh, his pregnant teacher uh, girlfriend, don't stand beside them. I hope that the wife of the dude that killed uh, the teacher that was pregnant, I hope she basically divorces him. I hope she does that instead of trying to find him forgiveness because that's pretty nasty off top. I hope homeboy gets whatever he's supposed to be getting, Cornelius Green, and I hope Philip Cutler, he gets whatever he's supposed to get because, dude, you being his boy, you're supposed to talk him out of this. You're supposed to say, nah, dude, tell your wife, tell her what's going on, or try to keep it hush-hush as much as you can and then just face the music when you got to face the music. Something like that, not, hey, yo, give me the money, I'll kill your mistress for you that's nasty all around the board all of it's nasty so again if you are a married person or if you're just a person in a relationship whether you've been in a short long whatever and you have it to just dibble out into somebody else's coffee pot if you will do not kill the mistress and do not kill the partner if you have a fear of being caught out just tell one or the other about what's going down or tell both and just lay, well, let the chips fall where they're supposed to fall. That's all I ask of you, because I don't want to keep on reading things like this. Reading about people dying, spouses dying, partners dying, mistresses dying, because of somebody's ineptitude of just being honest. It's dumb, it's not the best, and I think society's going to fall more and more whenever things like this happen. So please, be a stand-up person and just fess up to what you're doing. And then hopefully to let the uh, chips lie and fall where they're supposed to. Now, going away from the murder cases, I do want to talk about something that I think everyone needs to uh, be weary of or at least be notified of if you haven't been paying attention. So this would be the PSA little moment of the episode here. Um, the CDC, they have decided that they're dropping their uh, installation guidelines for people with the COVID-19 
uh, infections. The agency did confirm Friday as this information is uh, coming from the Washington Post. Under the new guidelines, people will no longer be expected to isolate themselves for five days. Instead, they will be allowed to return to their normal uh, schedules once they've been free of fever for at least 24 hours without taking medication. So, if you have COVID-19 and you have a fever and you break out, you have 24 hours, and within that 24 hours, quote-unquote, if you do break off from the fever, you have another day to recoup yourself, but then after that, you should be able to walk around and be free. At least that's my interpretation of what the new guidelines are saying. I don't like it. Um, they would say there's three reasons, well, key reasons for them changing the five days of insulation to 24 hours after being fever-free without medication. They would say the first one is the current uh, dominant variation that's nationwide, the JN1, which is responsible for more than 90% of the cases, does not appear to be causing more severe illnesses than previous strands. So what it means is the current strand that we have now is not as dangerous as the previous ones. The second reason why uh, they would say that the increase in hybrid immunity to COVID-19 has been due to higher vaccination rates and more exposure to uh, coronavirus. The CDC found a study that immunity has gone up in the general population due to vaccinations and past infections. So what it means is, as it seems more people are getting vaccinated, uh, they get in contact with COVID-19, that vaccination shot has made sure that they don't get sickly or as sickly as they are supposed to with the quote-unquote COVID-19 virus has been flowing around for many years now. So with the people having the shots, uh, the immunity has been going up, so it means it's constantly doling out the effects of COVID-19. That's, again, my interpretation of what the CDC is meaning with their study. And third, they were saying that not a lot of people were really following uh, the isolations recommendations to begin with. So they decided just to throw it all out. So those are the three reasons why they are no longer doing the five days of isolation. And instead, if you have COVID, if you hit with a fever, you got, whenever you do get over that fever, you have a whole day to get over that. And then guess what? When you feel good, you're able to go outside without medication. Again, I don't like it because they've been preaching for some time to do the whole vaccination stuff. They still preaching on television now to get your vaccines and all that. I don't like it. I'd rather people be able to stay inside their home for five days or even longer. I remember at one point when this thing first did happen, it was like two weeks. You had to stay inside your home for 14 days and then they shortened it down and then they shortened, I believe, to seven and then they shortened it down to five. And now they're doing it down to basically one. I don't like it. I'd rather them just stick with one thing and let that be the protocol for here on out for anyone that has COVID. I think that is still a very, very prominent thing. They did note that um, older individuals, they are still prone to it. So you probably still want to stay away from any older uh, civilian if you do have COVID or if you get in contact with it. But I just want to let y'all know the CDC, they are dropping the five-day isolation part. They want you just to be in isolation basically for one day if you come down with the fever for it. And then once you break out of it, Without medication, you're able to walk around and be within the public. Again, I'm letting y'all know I don't like that. And they do say that some uh, uh, God, physicians, they don't like it, but that's what the CDC is assigned to do. So there you have it with that. And continuing on, technically within the medical field, uh, CVS and Walgreens, they will begin selling abortion pills this month. The two largest pharmacy chains in the United States will start dispensing the abortion pill this month, a step that could make access easier for some of their patients. As this was uh, wrote by the New York Times, officials at CVS and Walgreens said in interviews Friday that they had received certification to dispense uh, the pills under the guidelines that the Food and Drug Administration issued last year. So that's what's happening. Uh, Walgreens, they will start providing the pill within the next week in smaller numbers in its pharmacies in New York. Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, California, and Illinois, while CVS, they will be dispensing it in all the pharmacies in Massachusetts and Rhode Island's in the weeks ahead. Now, the thing is, what about the states that are kind of weary here and there about their abortion bans or whatever? Uh, Walgreens, they said that they are not going to dispense it in the states where the laws are unclear to protect its pharmacists and staff members. 
As for CVS, they said we will continually monitor and evaluate changes in state laws and will dispense the pill in any states where it is or becomes legally permissible to do so. So that's what's going on right there. Um, I'm glad that these places are still able to do the pill, give out the plan B pill and all that type of stuff for people that want it. Again, the Roe v. Wade overturn, it still has some effects on the uh, American government, the American people now, and especially still with this IVF stuff that's going down in all the southern states. Uh, you see southern representatives try to stick up for the IVF and try to really like stick up for parents that want to do the IVF instead of like following the government uh, law for it, but or at least the government uh, ruling over IVF, the embryos being declared a person outside of the uterus. We'll have to wait and see what happens there. I already gave my opinion on that last episode. If you did not listen to it, you can listen to that uh, last week's episode right now and do so hear my opinion on that. But again, I just want to let everyone know what's going on. Keep everybody up to date. And that was your uh, PSA portion of the episode. Now, moving off of the PSA, I do have to talk about uh, entertainment news. The first thing I do want to say is give a condolences to Richard Lewis. Richard Lewis, he died at the age of 76 after suffering a heart attack, his publicist announced on Wednesday. Um, he's best known for being in Curb Your Enthusiasm, at least that's where I know him from, uh, that show. He was a comedian, I mean, so that tells you everything you need to know there. Um, Larry David and other stars of Curb Your Enthusiasm, they will put out their special tributes to uh, Richard. Larry David would put out... Richard and I were born three days apart in the same hospital, and for most of my life, he's been like a brother to me. He had that rare combination of being the funniest person, also the sweetest, but today he made me sob, and for that, I'll never forgive him. Um, they would do a little summary saying that Larry and David first met at 12 years old at summer camp, and they would go into saying that the pair played uh, fictionalized versions of themselves on the long-running HBO comedy uh, as we already know, curb your enthusiasm there. So, um, that's a shame whenever your friend has to put out a tribute to you and, uh, it's just devastating for you guys knowing each other, what, at the age of 12 and what homeboy 76 when he passed away. So you got to think about that. That's what doing a quick math. That's 64 years of friendship or knowing one another to the point that you guys work with one another on a show that your friend created and you're just able to just bullcrap with them on that show. It's something. And then whenever you pass and now your friend has to be there and he has to write a tribute about you, that's, that has to hurt. So, um, uh, love and light condolences to everybody on the Kirby Enthusiasm crew, uh, everybody that knew Richard Lewis. And again, sad thing to happen, but everybody got to go. And that's just, one of the things that we got to know about in this uh, life, not everything's meant to last forever. Your mortality is one thing. You got to question it almost on a daily basis. Sometimes you don't when you're just living life and sometimes you do, but just know that your uh, time is, time is always up when it's up. So hopefully everybody lives a uh, very unique and uh, blessed life as best as you can. That's what I'm hoping everybody takes out of this. And anytime anybody passes, but especially here. Um, now, moving off the condolences, because I don't like saying on anything sad. I do like to talk about something that I think should be talked about, especially in Hollywood culture, since we're getting away from the Me Too stuff, and it's still lingering effects of it. But I think this needs to be talked about. Uh, there was an uproar some weeks ago. I didn't notice this until I started to dig into it. It was an uproar of General Ortega and apparently Martin Freeman. They were in a movie called Miller's Girl, and apparently Jen Ortega is supposed to be playing a young student under the teaching of uh, Martin Freeman. Jen Ortega, she will play an 18-year-old high school that came out of high school going into college, and Martin's supposed to be playing one of the professors, and they get caught up in a relationship. And going into that, I was like, okay, what's the deal about it? We've seen this story plenty of times. Okay, cool, fine, whatever. Um, apparently when this thing happened, uh, Jenna Ortega at the time, she was 19 when the movie filmed and Martin was what, 50 or 49 when this thing filmed and they 
Apparently, they have some type of simulated sex scene in the movie. People weren't too happy about it. People were saying, this is nasty. This type of stuff shouldn't be happening in the movie industry. We should have been moving away off of that. Yada, 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 that type of stuff. And I get it. I get where people are coming from with that. But it's a part of life. People do that. And movies kind of uh, illustrate what's going down in real life. Just to put it out in a broader picture for everyone. But you have like the intimacy... Uh, coordinator. That's the person that's there to make sure everything within the sex scene or the kissing scene or anything that's intimate is there to speak with both of the actors, make sure both of them are okay, what's going to happen, if there's any type of boundary, kind of like, just make sure both actors are cool, basically. Well, the intimacy coordinator would come out and say that Jenna Ortega was totally comfortable and sure about filming uh, the sex scene with Martin Freeman and with the intimacy coordinator coming out and publicizing about how everything was cool on the set, making sure Jen Ortega was cool, making sure Martin was cool, all that type of stuff. With that coming out and with the intimacy coordinator coming out saying all this type of stuff, apparently it got a couple people upset in uh, Hollywood that they had to put new rules out there for intimacy coordinators not to be... Uh, able to share what's allowed at that particular uh, filming site. Now, here's my thing with that long story, less long here. I think that an intimacy coordinator should be allowed to come out and say, okay, yo, we were able to make the scene right. We were able to make sure both of the actors were okay. We were able to talk about this and that. I think the intimacy coordinator should be one of the people on the press tour to let people know, hey, everything was fine, everything was okay before they get into an outrage because that's the type of time that we're living on. We're living in an outrage culture where people will get mad and pissed off about any and everything, even if it is uh, fake and fictionalized, which a movie and a TV show usually are. Um, especially with the age differences of Jen Ortega at the time being 19 and Martin, who was 49 or 50 when this whole thing filmed and they had to film a sex scene, I mean, you would want the intimacy coordinator to come out because the viewers are going to be picking their scenes apart and say, how could the producer, how could the people at this shooting site allow this stuff to happen? You would want the intimacy coordinator to be on tour, to be putting out statements saying, hey, yo, everything was fine, everything was good, both actors were cool with what was happening. There's no need to be outraged by this. Just enjoy the movie or just enjoy the show. But if you can't, please turn away. But just make sure and let everyone know that there was no uh, harm in this. Everything was consented to by both actors and everything's all good. I think the intimacy coordinator should be allowed to say certain things and say uh, things on the behalf of the film and on the behalf of whatever project they're working on instead of trying to keep them secret and say, well, they can't talk about this or they uh, shouldn't be allowed to talk about this and that type of stuff. Because right here, it would say, according to Deadline, who heard from a SAG after spokesperson, the new rules meant that intimacy coordinators may be at risk of losing their jobs if they discuss intimacy, intimate uh, scenes publicly. So you're going to fire someone who their job literally is to be on scene for that uh, be on set for the scene that's going to be filmed between two actors and make sure they're both okay with it. And you're going to fire them for coming out to the public and talking about that experience, talking about how they were there to make sure everybody was cool, safe, and how the scene got done. That makes no sense to me at all. Again, NPC coordinator, you guys have them on the set for a reason. Allow them to talk about it after everything's been done and allow them to be on the press tour to talk about how everything was done, how everything was handled professionally, and blah, blah, blah. Don't have them uh, signed under an NDA or anything like that. Because when you do that, guess what? It just allows more people to scrutinize your work, scrutinize the actors. And I think that's a bad thing to happen for anybody that's in the film industry or television industry because you want people to uh, watch what you created. And you want people to enjoy what you created, at least in some type of artsy way, if they can't enjoy it just fun-wise. So again, I hope 
that kind of change. I hope SAG AFTA doesn't try to like enforce those type of rules, but time will tell uh, if that's going to be the case there. Now, sticking more into uh, Hollywood news, I do have to talk about something that I was kind of not really wanting to talk about like last year when this thing happened until it was too much that I had no other choice. Uh, the Scandal uh, situation I have on Bravo with uh, Homeboy, uh, Tom Sandoval, and some of the other people on uh, what's the freaking show's name? Uh, God, uh, God, they're taping now or they're already taped, whatever. Vanderpump Rules, there it is. Uh, Homeboy, he cheated on his girlfriend with another girl, blah, blah, blah. That whole stuff blew up Hollywood and everybody couldn't talk, couldn't stop talking about that for uh, weeks upon months on end as that show was constantly airing. Well, the girl that Tom, he cheated, uh, with has filed a lawsuit in LA to the County uh, Superior Court against Tom and his ex-girlfriend for eavesdropping, revenge porn, invasion of privacy, and intentional inflation of emotional distress. Uh, Rachel Levis, or Levy, excuse me if I'm mispronouncing your name, who was a cast member on the Vanderpump Rules uh, reality show, had a secret uh, romantic relationship with Tom during the filming of uh, season 10. Yeah, 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 we all know that. Rachel was a victim of predatory and dishonest behavior of an older man who recorded sexually explicit videos of her without her knowledge or consent, which were then distributed, uh, disseminated, and discussed publicly by a scorned woman seeking vengeance catalyzing the whole scandal the lawsuit would read. So she's trying to sue, basically, I would think Bravo, Tom, the girlfriend, all that type of stuff. Uh, Listen, anytime you're on a reality TV show, everything's fair game. So I don't see how this lawsuit has any legs to stand on, especially another lawsuit that Bravo's going to particularly have to deal with. There was a real housewife a woman that was on one of the franchise shows, uh, I believe she's on New York, Leah, Leah McSweeney, she's suing Andy Cohen and Bravo for discrimination and alleges the culture promoting alcohol and drug uses. Leah will claim that the defendants, which are Andy Cohen, Bravo, NBC Universal Media, Warner Brothers Discovery, a different production company, and other producers established a rotten workplace culture where employees were pressured to consume alcohol. She also alleges that the defendants failed to maintain a safe working environment and accommodate her disabilities, including alcohol use disorder and mental health disorders. Uh, She also added that she disclosed that she had broken nine years of sobriety, but was sober by the time the filming for uh, season 12 of the show began in 2019. Uh, People that represent Andy Cohen, Bravo, the production company, Warner, did not respond to people's requests for comment on the allegations. Here's my thing. When you're on reality TV, you know what's to come of it. The Real Housewife uh, franchise, they're known for being the white people version of Basketball Wives. uh, What other black shows? That's what they're known for. They're known for throwing drinks at one another, getting into little cat fights here and there, all that stuff. It's been publicized, it's been promoted, we all know what time it is, and you're there to talk about what's going down in your life, period, point blank. Now, will some of the stuff be uh, dramatized? I personally think that a lot of it is, but some people have been out and say, nope, that's not dramatized, that's my real life, that's how it is, which, okay, cool. Sometimes you can see that it was scripted and all that good stuff, but whatever. Um, but you know what time it is. When you're on those type of shows, you know what you're signing yourself up for. There's no excuse in this. So I'm not certain how Leah's whole uh, lawsuit is going to stand against Bravo and Andy and all that type of stuff. Same thing with the Rachel chick from uh, Vanderpump Rules. You know what you're there for. You know what's going to happen. Uh, do I think that she might have a case for revenge porn? I'm not certain. Only people within the cast might know, people in production might know if she has a a case for that. I don't know. More time will tell when, what, real lawyers actually dig deep into it, if there actually does become a a case case behind it. But Bravo got hit with two lawsuits this week. I just think that that was something to uh, be known about since the big headline that came out this week with 
anybody that's a celebrity being uh, hit with a lawsuit was another lawsuit to Puff. He was hit with another sexual harassment suit, this time from a man named uh, Rodney Little Rod Jones. He is making claims about how Combs allegedly uh, assaults and misconduct, naming several prominent uh, artists and music executives as well. The most prominent one that people are saying that, or at least the one that's catching people's eye, is that uh, Diddy like having relations with Meek Mills, but they kind of can't say Meek Mills' name, but in one of the paperwork, it says rapper from Philly that previously had a relationship with Nicki Minaj and people were able to connect the dots to say that was Meek Mills. And underneath that, they said uh, another person that Diddy messed with was a recent performer of the Super Bowl. And again, this is all allegations that people were connecting the dots to Usher and they were able to bring up old videos that Puff had with Usher at one point, old videos that Puff had with Meek Mills at one point, and people were trying to connect the dots. Listen here, I'm just waiting to see if there's going to be a actual case, an actual court that actually happens with Puff or any of these big celebrity lawsuits that's going down, if I'm really going to be honest with you. That's all I ever do care about, to be honest with you, uh, because if there's nasty business, which there is nasty business in the Hollywood space, in the entertainment space, is kind of always been known about, we just never knew who these people were that were doing these nasty things. There are always these rumors and speculations. But with this year, kind of the way it's going off, uh, everybody's going to have something to say before the end of 2024 about who touched them, somebody did this, somebody stole this from me in the world of entertainment. I'm just here to figure out, okay, is there going to be some type of court case that's going to happen? That's all I ever care about. Did he hurt you? Did he have a sex trafficking ring? Did he do all these things? Right now, they're saying that Puff was kind of like a Jeffrey Epstein, in a way. If that's the case, yo, have the police do some big digging into Puff in all his stuff. And if that's the case, yo, they got to get him. That's just what it is. But if not, yo, everything's going to move just back as it used to. Go right back to business. Puff's going to take some hits. But everything else is going to move right back into business right now and right back into play. But that's all I'm wanting to see is a lawsuit going to happen and we're going to go into court with it. Yay, nay. Time will tell. And uh, when it happens, I'll be here to report on it. Now, to end it off, I do have to talk about Kanye West. Kanye West's uh, Vultures album that he had with Ty Dolla Sign. Apparently, the listening parties that he did uh, in Chicago on February the 8th and also in New York on February the 9th, they generated approximately $2.4 million in ticket sales. And they have said that altogether, technically, they generated more than $12 million in ticket sales. That's crazy to me. Uh, that just further shows you that Kanye West is not going to be able to be canceled. As long as he just throws out the music, people are always going to rush back to Kanye and listen to his stuff. Same thing with his clothing and all that type of stuff. Kanye West, he ain't going nowhere. That's just what it is. So, hey, it is what it is. I want to throw it out there to say congratulations to Kanye for making that much money, especially after all the little games that the music industry has been playing with him. Congratulations to him. And again, this further proves to you that the music outweighs any of the controversy that happens with the people. As long as you put out fire music, people will listen to it no matter what. Now, with that being said, I think that's everything I have to cover. So it's time for me to get you guys out of here. I would like to thank all the podcast sites to have me on their streaming networks, whether you're Apple, Google, uh, Podbean, Spotify, Amazon, all the other ones. You know who you are, because without you guys, I won't be able to do this podcast and get this out to the people. And I also want to thank the people, the downloaders, because without them, I would just be one guy talking into a mic, into a black void. And I do appreciate everybody that takes the time to download this uh, podcast every single week. I do check the numbers out and it uh, really warms my heart when I do see it from where they're coming from. So I do thank everybody uh, for doing so. Uh, always remember. I love you, I love you, I love you. I love you, I love you, I love you. That is not a gimmick. I really do mean that. Um, I want everyone to have a great day. I want everyone to start off your day with some type of 
greeting or some type of gratitude say a prayer do something like that if that makes you feel better but just start off with gratitude if you wake up in a bad uh feeling uh try to shake that off as best as you can and just start the day off positive because if you start the day off positive guess what i'm pretty sure the rest of your day uh should follow in that exact same way now having said all that this has been my two cents podcast hosted by g2 he is i i am him this isn't goodbye this is until you hear from the sweet sounding voice again i will be back again with another episode of this particular podcast wednesday uh saturday for the wrestling highlights of the week another one sunday but also tomorrow monday you'll be getting a wrestling uh podcast for me where i'll be covering aew revolution this is supposed to be sting's last uh match as a professional wrestler so that's what's happening tonight on revolution i'll be doing a review of that so you can expect that up tomorrow on monday um i think that's about it so yeah that's everything that's coming locked down for this week so with that this isn't goodbye this is here for the sweet sounding voice again i love you all have a great day and kanye can you please take these people home i'm tired you tired uh-huh. jesus wept. Uh-huh.